you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Isaiah 29 and in Mark chapter 4. And we're going to jump right into it. So we'll, we'll be reading Isaiah 29 first in just a moment. Two quick announcements, or a couple announcements. Um, starting tomorrow, we're beginning the restroom renovations. So um, it may look a little different the next two or three Sundays uh, in how we use the restrooms. We may have to take turns as one will be available at least at a time. So we will have a hall monitor saying, hey, it's the men's time to go and it's the ladies' time to go. Men, be very kind to the ladies and, and keep it nice and clean. Ladies, keep it nice and clean for the men, right? Always. I've cleaned bathrooms for a lot of years and I'll, I'll say it publicly. Women restrooms are always messier. I don't know. Maybe I'll spend more time in there. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a proven fact from the janitorial ministry. <laughs> it is a strange thing, right? Anyway, so that's going on. It's very exciting. We're going to renovate and make it modern and nicer and all new everything in there. Nothing that's in there will be there when we're done. It's all new. Stalls, toilets, sinks, everything, right? So except for the toilet paper dispenser and trash, that thing's nice. We're going to keep it. Everything else is gone. Lighting, all of it. So that starts. And then the whole month of March, we are creating space in our worship service for people that want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to be baptized. Now, I believe you can be baptized anywhere, anytime, whether you're awake or asleep, the Holy Spirit can come up on you. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, but we're going to create room in our church, in our services during worship. Uh, it'll be this section over here. And we will have someone there working the station, different people every week, who will help you if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it will happen just during our worship service. All right, so that's the whole month of March. And I'm looking forward to it because we are a Pentecostal church. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? We believe that it is non-negotiable. He said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, if Jesus left for a reason... It was so the Holy Spirit could come, right? He left for that reason. If that was the reason he left, then I want to get the Holy Spirit, right? Not just at salvation, which is for me. I want him on me in power. And so that's, that's the whole month of March. And honestly, we'll probably never not do that again going forward. We'll just make it part of our church. You want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, get over there and go through the, the Holy Spirit baptism station. And the reason we're doing this is because when you, when you do it, the way we've done it for years is it becomes a production. It becomes a, a pressured thing. We want it to just be part of our worship. We want it to be easy. The Bible says that Jesus breathed on his Holy Spirit, on his disciples, and they received the Holy Spirit. He just breathed on them. And then the Bible says that the disciples laid hands on people, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then some people, they were just in the atmosphere, and the Holy Spirit fell on them. So um, it doesn't have to be this worked-up production. It's a gift from God. And so be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're not, and if you want to be filled, this is your time. Even right now, Holy Spirit can come up on you right now. If you've been filled before, we need to be refilled every day. Amen. <laughs> right? What's the old Christian rapper said? I get drunk in the Spirit on a day-to-day -day basis. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's what we want to do. We want the Holy Spirit because we cannot do this without the Holy Spirit. Like, we can't stay saved without Holy Spirit. And beyond that, we cannot disciple nations without him, yeah. which is our, our mandate was not to stay saved. <laughs> you okay? Like Jesus didn't say, hey, just make sure you stay saved and be okay when he left. He said, no, he said, go and make disciples of nations. It wasn't self-preservation. It was go and shift the atmosphere of the entire planet. 
That's what we're called to do. And so we're just asking you, Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this house. We are fire life for a reason, and we make room for you. Mm. Baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. We ask that you would come upon us. We know that you're in us when we ask you to come live in our life. You do. You live in our hearts, but we ask for you to come upon us. We ask that it would happen from this day forward, that this church would see salvations and baptisms in the Holy Spirit from this day on and never stop. That it would never stop. Baptisms in the Holy Spirit, salvations, water baptisms, that they will happen from here on in the history of this church. We ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so Isaiah chapter 29, and last week we talked about what it means to, to, to live sacrificially before the Lord, to bring him something that costs us something. And if you missed the message, it's on. You can either watch it on Facebook or the YouTube channel, or you can listen to the podcast. Um, I encourage you to do that because it's the heartbeat of this house. It feels like we've been learning things for a long time, and I feel like the Lord has really said, okay, here you go. Here's your lane. And I feel very strongly about that. And we are about the Father's business, and we're, we're to be about the Father's business. And part of that is bringing him something that costs us something. Making uh, room for him in our life. Creating an offering that belongs to God, that, that's, that's worthy of his name. And so last week we talked about what that looked like and how David um, said, I will not offer God an offering that costs me nothing. So we talked about how we come to church or we do Christianity, and, and a lot of times we're, we're enjoying the offering of other people. We jump into the worship atmosphere that the worship team, that's their offering. They're serving us with their offering. You know that. I, I didn't sacrifice to be part of the worship team, to worship service. I, I just came in and sing, right? I need to bring something to God that's mine. We talked about how we don't, even, we don't even sing our own songs. We sing songs other people wrote. And I love their songs and I love their revelation, but God wants to hear my song. Come on. What is, when's the last time that you opened up your heart and told him what you felt about him from your words and your heart? Not from a, even a scripture verse that you've memorized or a song, but it came from you. That's what he wants from us. He, he wants this, this worship to come from the innermost being, right? Uh, David says, said that, that we want to bring an offering to him that's pleasing to him, that smells wonderfully in his nostrils. And so God's calling us to be that kind of a church. And I feel strongly today, I want to kind of piggyback on that and talk about the fear of the Lord. Y'all know Proverbs 1, and it's, it's mentioned in there multiple times. But what does it say? The fear of the Lord is the what? The beginning of... Let's all say that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then it finishes and it says, but fools despise knowledge or discipline. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so in Isaiah chapter 29, verses 13 and 14, we're going to start there. And I'm going to go through this as quickly as I can. But I, I, I want you to pick up the point today that God wants to restore in his people a fear for his name, a fear for his presence. So Isaiah 29, verse 13 and 14. Now we talked about bringing offerings that mattered. Here's the opposite picture of that. He says, therefore, the Lord says, these people draw near to me with their mouths. They honor me with their lips. But what does it say? But their hearts are far from me. My translation here says, but they have removed their hearts far from me. 
And then he says this, and this is where I want to start, start today. And their fear of me or toward me is taught by the commandments of men. That stood out to me so strong a few weeks ago, and I told Mandy, I've read this verse, I've preached this, this, this verse many times in my life, and I never saw that verse the way I did. The fear that the church has right now of the Lord is not the fear of the Lord. It's a fear that's taught through a religious system by men and women, and it's not a pure fear for the Lord. This is why there's this, we talked about it over a few weeks. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going here because there is a shift taking place in culture that's very anti-Christ and dangerous right now. And it's, it's crept into the church, and we've created a false fear of God. Like, we've made God with no teeth. We've created a God in our image who's just nice and sweet and kind, and we've taken away the lion. But he's still the lion. And when God says something, he doesn't change his mind because he's so sweet and nice. He is sweet and nice. I love this, this dual thing with God. Like, he's sweet and nice, but man, you don't want to cross him. Did you know that the word terrible, like we say, man, that's terrible. That's actually supposed to be a sign of worship. The Bible uses that word to describe God, that God would do terrible things again. And what the word means, it would strike fear in the hearts of people for his power, his authority, and his, his righteousness. And I believe that God is once again about to do some terrible things. Right definition, not our definition. Some terrible things that will stir up in the heart of his people a fear for him that puts him in his right place. God's love never changes. How many know that? But I can be in right relationship with him or I can be in wrong relationship with him. He loves me the same either way. But I don't want to live my life in wrong relationship with him. Because the Bible says that he resists the proud. And I don't want resistance in my life from God. I want him to come close to me. And the Bible says he comes close to those who humble themselves. And hum, uh, humbling ourselves re revolves around the fear of the Lord. And what he's saying here is the reason people can honor me with their lips and they can sing beautiful songs and write wonderful Christian books and create these wonderful entertainment centers that we call churches nowadays, and it looks all wonderful. The reason we can do all that is because they're teaching fear of me that's not really my fear. And we can do all of those things and our hearts still be removed. Y'all know this because I talk about it a lot. The most haunting scripture in the Bible to me is, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we heal the sick and we raise the dead? And Jesus said, yeah, you did all those things, but I never knew you. And he says, then depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Iniquity is a gross injustice. It's a perversion of the right version. Iniquity is trying to get into heaven and trying to receive the benefits of a right relationship with God through a window instead of through the door of Jesus. And Jesus said, I am the door. And if you want to get to the Father, this is the only way. I am Jesus. I am the door. There is no other way to get to the Father but through me. And if anyone tries to get to the Father any other way, they're a thief and a robber. Come on. It's the word. 
And this is, I, I feel that the church as a whole needs to come to a place of repentance because we've been trying to professionally do Jesus for a long time. And what happens is when, you, when we become professional at doing Jesus, then the money controls our decisions. The social <laughs> man's honor dictates decisions. Man's favor can cause me to shift a little this way or that way. After all, that's, that's, that's the biggest, you know, they're, they're, they're givers and they want, they want me to talk less about the Holy Spirit because like, you, we get into that stuff when we try to form Christianity around man's commandments. And then we try to teach, uh, teach people to fear God from this perspective and it doesn't work. Amen. And you wonder why we look around the world right now and we say there is no wisdom on the earth. Where are the wise men and wise women? Where are the ancient wise people on the earth that speak the truth of God? I, I, where's the Billy Grahams who spoke to presidents and kings and queens who told them the word of the Lord? Where are those? Where is the voice, the wisdom of God on the earth anymore? There's no wisdom because there's no fear. Like, well, we're not supposed to be afraid of God. Okay. Bill Johnson says this perfectly. I'm going to steal it because I believe it's the true with me. I love my wife, but I can be scared of my wife. All the husbands in the room, yeah, right now, women, exert that fear. Come on. Like, it's not a bad thing. It's a re respect. It's a reverence for her authority. It's, her, it's a reverence for her ability to see through my crud. It's a reverence for her voice to, to make me naked and uh, remove all my hiding places. Come on, there's a thing that happens. In a, so I love my wife, but I'm fearful of my wife because she knows me. I love God and he loves me, but I'm afraid of him in a good way. He's God. Like if he entered into this room in physical form right now, not one of us would be able to stand Literally, we would melt onto the floor. We wouldn't even want to look. <sighs> it's like the ancient tribes of, of, of China. When they, had these, they had these ninjas that worked for the kingdom, right? How many saw? Well, I'm not going to go there. But anyway, and when the king would enter the room, they would bow, and then they wouldn't, they wouldn't even look. They would back out of the room, out of reverence. Because it's, it's, not, it's not reverent to look at the king in, in, in arrogance, but it's a place of humility and they would bow as low as they could get to the floor and they would back out of a room because that person is so righteous, they're so holy and that's the God we serve. Yeah, he's loving, he's merciful, he's, his grace, I can't even understand his grace, it's true. But there has to be a fear for him in our heart. And he says the reason there's no wisdom on the earth, the reason that, that the church is stumbling and the world is stumbling into foolishness right now, just outright foolishness, denying actual science, denying actual reality right now, it, the world we live in is just denying everything we've ever known because we are in a deconstructionist mentality right now, which means just burn it all to the ground. Burn it to the ground. None of it has any value. The reason we don't think it has any value is because we don't have any fear for God. Y'all okay? When Jesus came to the woman at the well, he said, if you knew who I was, you would ask me to give you a drink. 
He's like, she's like, well, we know that the Messiah's coming and, and, and my whole family, we all know him and, and we're going to worship on the mountain. And then he goes, no, 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 you don't understand. The true worshipers, when they see me, are going to worship me in spirit and in truth. Because right now you're worshiping something you don't even know. And the Lord's calling us to a place where we begin to value his presence. And, and this, this is a no condemnation message. Literally, this is just a truth message. This isn't to make people feel bad. It's not to make me feel bad. This is just to bring us back to a place where we put God in the place he belongs and see him through his eyes. See him properly without the lenses on us. Come on. And he wants us to value him and value his presence. If we knew who he was, we would react differently when he comes into a room. We would respond when he speaks. Come on, have you heard the, one of the greatest worship songs ever written called So Will I? If creation obeys you, so will I. I mean, come on, if the winds and the sea obey you, so will I. This is in Mark chapter four, I'm not gonna read it, but Jesus is on a boat with his disciples and there are other boats and a storm comes up and they're about to die. And they're like, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to perish? And he's like, oh, you people of little faith. He gets up. And he speaks to the storm, to the winds and the sea, says, peace be still. And the Bible says that immediately, not in a few moments, immediately the winds and the waves calmed. And he went back and I believe he just went back and went back to sleep, right? And the Bible says that the disciples were in awe of Jesus. And they were like, what, what man can speak to the winds and waves. What kind of man is this? That when he says stop to the waves, they stop. When he says stop to the winds, they stop. And the, Bi the Bible tells us that this, this story for a reason, not just that God can calm the winds and the waves in your life, but because he has the authority to do it. And when he does it, we should respond with awe. That's why this is there to me. When these things happen, the proper response from my heart is not to distance it from the actual thing that just happened, not to distance myself from God and hide, but to be in awe of his authority. Oh my goodness, what kind of man is this who can save my soul? What kind of man is this who can, who can heal my body? What kind of man is this who can heal my marriage? Oh, and the Bible says that the teachers and the philosophers of the time looked at Jesus and they were in awe of him. They're like, he's not like the other teachers. When he teaches, there's authority on it. And they were in awe of it. And God is calling us back to, to be moved by the authority that he walks in. And when he walks into a room, we're to value and respect his presence. And we're to respond to him. And if he gives us a command, we're supposed to just do it. Amen. Not wait. Yeah. The winds didn't wait. Oh, I'll, I'll do it when I sow some wild oats. I'll do it when I feel, feel like it, when I get a little older, when I get a little more money, when I get a little bit more of this. I'll do it then. The winds and the waves didn't do that when Jesus spoke. Why would we? God wants us to have a fear for him that stirs up awe and wonder. Would you say awe and wonder? See, there's a counterfeit right now. See, the enemy cannot create. Y'all know this, right? The devil, Satan, Beelzebub, whatever you want to call him. 
father of lies. He cannot create anything. He can only pervert. So he presents counterfeits. Things that look like the real thing, things that feel like the real thing, but they're not. They're flavored with his intentions. So right now, in the atmosphere, there are many counterfeits of fear. There's a fear of man right now in the atmosphere. You talk about cancel culture. If you don't you know what that is, climb out of a rock, cancel culture. If you said anything ever wrong in your life, the mob of social uh, media right now will cancel you. You'll never work again. You'll never sing again. They, they tried to do it to an actress a few weeks ago for speaking her mind with, with Disney. It's called cancel culture. You, like, remember the, you'll never work in this town again. <laughs> That's what's going on right now. It's cancel culture. And because of it, people won't say what they really believe because they're afraid of being canceled. That's a counterfeit fear being sown into the atmosphere. It's a fear of man. We're afraid of man's opinions. We need man's approval. We need the blue check mark. We need to be okay on social media. We need our friends to think that we're not crazy religious fanatics. We need to think this stuff. No, we need to have a fear for the Lord and not a fear of man. There's a counterfeit of fear being sown into the world. It's a fear of suffering, a fear of sickness, a fear of death. The Bible says of the disciples that they loved their life not unto death. In other words, they didn't love their life so much that they feared death. There is a fear that's sown into this whole world right now, a fear of suffering, a fear of sickness, a fear of death. There's a fear of punishment. We're afraid if we say the wrong thing, we will be punished. That's not God's fear. There's a fear of persecution in the church. Did y'all, y'all know that? Y'all sense it? There is a fear of persecution. We don't want to be persecuted. Not only do we want to not be canceled personally, we don't want the church to be canceled. God said he would build his church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Culture can do all at once to silence the church. The church always grows in, when it's tried to be, trying to be silenced. The church always grows in authority and power when it's shoved into the caves. It doesn't mean we should stay there in the cave. You can't disciple nations from a cave. (laughs) The atmosphere is charged with this false counterfeit fear right now. It It is sucking all the life out of the atmosphere. There is fear everywhere we turn right now. There's all kinds of fear, but we're not seeing the fear of the Lord. And I want you to know this, and fear that is not in response to God, fear that is not in awe of God is dangerous fear. Yeah. It will make us a servant. Man. We will make all of our decisions based on that trigger of fear. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know if I should go there. Oh, I don't know if I should say that. Well, if it's on social media, we probably should just get off social media and not say it. I don't, know if I, I, I don't know if I should do this. I don't know if I should do that. Like, there is such a fear right now, and the fear is leading us by the nose. Come on. Fear that is not in response to God is dangerous. It's a fear that is at war with the fear of the Lord. They cannot live in the same place. Amen. Are you all okay? 
godly fear, the fear of the Lord, and the counterfeit fear that's being sown everywhere in culture right now, they cannot cohabit the same house. I'm either going to fear the Lord or I'm going to fear fill in the blank. All fear that is not a fear of the Lord has the same goal. Preserve your life. Save yourself. All fear that is not the fear of the Lord has the same goal. Watch out for yourself. And the Bible says, y'all know this verse, Mark 8, 35, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But if you lose your life, for my sake, you will find life. We're in a world right now where fear has gripped us and it's not the right fear. And God wants to bring us back to a fear of the Lord. You're like, well, how, how is God going to bring back a fear of the Lord? It's found in the verse we opened with in Isaiah 29. So I'm going to read the whole thing, Isaiah 29, 13, and 14, and I'm going to prophesy and we're going to end. The Lord says, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and they honor me with their lips, but they have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear of me is taught by commandments of men. And then here's the solution. Therefore, everyone say, therefore. Then he says, behold, come on, say, behold, I will again do a marvelous work among this people, a marvelous work and a wonder. Come on. What is God going to do to restore the fear of the Lord? He's not going to come down with lightning bolts and punish every wicked thing we've done at this point in time. But what he is going to do is he's going to show off his power and his authority. He is going to shake the heavens and the earth with signs and wonders. He's going to show what he can do. Because true fear of the Lord doesn't come from fear of him punishing me. True fear of the Lord doesn't come from knowing that at any moment he could put me into hell if he wanted me to, if he wanted to. That's not real fear of the Lord. Real fear of the Lord is looking at him and going, wow, you're amazing. Amen. You're powerful. There's no one like you. You're just, you're holy, you're pure. When you say something, you keep your word. You can move mountains just at your voice. That's a real fear of the Lord. It's called worship. Singing is not necessarily worship. Worship is a response to the authority of God. And worship is where I become smaller and he becomes bigger. And when we live in that fear of the Lord, the Bible says that nothing's impossible for us. The Bible says that mountains will be moved because the fear of the Lord does something inside of us. And it says, he's not only your God, he's your daddy. And if he's your dad, then you have an inheritance. If he's just your God, you don't have an inheritance because you're just a servant. But you're not just a servant, you're also a son or a daughter. Which means because he's your God, he has authority over you, but, be he, but, but he's also your father. And it means you have access to the things that he has inherited. You have access to the authority that he carries. Are you all okay? And God wants to restore a fear of the Lord in the church. I want him to do it in me. I want to be in awe of God. Whenever God does anything around me, I, I don't want to be skeptical. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Ah. How many times have we heard testimonies and it goes through the filter of skepticism? Well, I don't know if they really were healed. 
I don't what, were they really blind before all the way blind I, I don't know I don't know if that can happen like we go through this filter well will it take will it will they stay healed and all it does is say God you're not able God you can't do it I don't want to be a skeptic when it comes to God's authority and what he can and he will do. I want to believe him wholeheartedly. I want to be like a little child. I don't have to understand. I just know God did it. He said it. It happened. That's all I know. Don't ask me for more information. Go to him. He's accessible. I can take you to him. Come on. I don't want my fear of God to be made up of what I've learned in church about God. I want my fear of God to come from my personal relationship with him and his work in my life. And the church culture should stir up that. It should support what happens privately. When I come into the house to worship corporately, I should be stirred into more fear for God because I'm around other people that are fearing him. And it should create an atmosphere of of awe and wonder for God so that when I do go off and I'm by myself, that it stirs me up even more. But I I don't get the fear of the Lord because you have a fear of the Lord. I don't get a fear of the Lord because mama or daddy has a fear of the Lord. I don't get a fear of the Lord because I listen to a hundred sermons a week or worship to all the songs every week. I get a fear for the Lord when I recognize his authority. I honor his presence and I respond to his voice. And the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we need the wisdom of God. Amen. Amen. We live in a really deceiving, crazy time. Yeah, I know my parents said this when I was a teenager, like, oh, it's never been this bad. Now I've got teenagers, I'm like, oh, it's never been this bad. It's a different kind of bad. Yeah, Yeah, there's no Hitler right now, thank God. There's no one, you know, axis evil power trying to rule the world at this point in time. Like, they may be planning, but there's nothing on the scene, right? There's, there's a different assault going on. It's going on in the hearts of men and women. There's an assault on our mind. There's assault on our logic. And we have to have a fear of the Lord. Would you stand? So here's what we're going to do to close. He said once again, he's going to astound us with wonder upon wonder, signs in the heavens. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to repent. Repentance is not saying I'm sorry. Actually, it doesn't really matter if I'm sorry or not. Repentance is a shift in the way I live. It will produce fruit. So God, we come to you and yes, we are sorry for not honoring you and for not respecting you the way you deserve. We will never live like that again. And the cure to that fault that I've had in the past is this.
I'm going to look for your activity and I'm going to respond to it. When I hear of a wonder that you've done, I'm going to make my spirit, my soul, and my body respond with awe and wonder. I'm going to practice (laughs) believing the testimony. I'm going to practice being excited about what you're doing until it becomes my real lifestyle. I'm going to discipline myself to look for your activity. When your presence enters into a room, this is what we will do. We will pause. Hmm. We'll look up. We'll give you our eyes. We'll turn our ears to you. And we'll wait for you to speak. When you're doing something in the atmosphere, we'll join in. God, I ask that in this house you would stir up awe and wonder. That you would stir up true worship. Sacrificial worship. That the fear of the Lord may grip our hearts. That when we speak about you, God, we will have a reverence that we've lost. If you've noticed, we're, we're singing way more about Jesus. We're, it's on purpose. Yeah, come on. It's all on purpose. We want to be infatuated with Jesus. We want to be in awe. He was a worthy sacrifice. Amen. Jesus, you were a worthy sacrifice. You were the lamb of God, the spotless lamb who took away the sins of the world. And we behold you. God, I ask that you would restore reverence for your name. We read the verse a week or so ago. You've exalted above all things your name and your word. And God, in our hearts, we exalt above all things your name and your word. above my opinion above my political leanings above my religious ideas above my wants and desires above my culturally relevant ideas God in my heart come on I exalt your name and your word above all things. Unseat anything that's in your seat, God. Jesus Christ, come sit on the throne of my heart. I'm not on that throne. My wife is not on that throne. My family is not on that throne. My job is not on that throne. My country is not on that throne. You are. You are the king. 
I'm going to take one minute, and I want you to imagine the future with God doing signs and wonders in your life. I want you to literally go there. Imagine God in your life, in the future. Miracles, healings, prophecies. Dead people rising. Someone was raised from the dead a week or so ago, some, some people that we know. <laughs> Come on, man. That's so awesome. I don't, I don't care how they came back to life. They were raised from the dead by the power of Jesus. Tumors are going to fall off. Blind eyes are going to be open. Deaf ears are going to be unstopped. Ooh. People with trauma from their childhood are going to be set free. Like children again. They're going to be given permission to be kids again. The fear and the barriers are all going to fall down. The wounds are going to be completely healed as Jesus himself wraps them up and heals them. I hear him say, if you have trauma from your childhood, Jesus is saying to you right now, let the little children come unto me. Be well in Jesus' name. We break off trauma. This is going to be a healing church where people are going to be healed from physical things, emotional things, past things, present things. In Jesus' name, we say yes to that. Some of you in the room are going to be so critical and right in the middle of this. Yes, Jesus. So let's expect it. Amen? Let's look for it. Let's join in when he's doing it. Yes, I'm with you, God. I don't know what to do. What, what can I do? You want me to be quiet? I'll sit and be quiet, and I'll cheer you on. You want me to put my hands to the, to the rock and push? I will. I just need to do whatever you need me to do right now. Would you pray for your neighbor? God, right now, I ask that you would ignite every person in this room, everyone on Facebook Live. Ignite them with a passion for the things that you're doing. Give us a tune. A tune us into what you're doing. Instead of being tuned into everything else that's going on out here, tune us into the activity of heaven. <laughs> I see it like the, the woman with the issue of blood when Jesus was walking by. People were pressing against him everywhere. He was being touched by every person. Everyone was pressing against Jesus. But when she touched him, he felt it. He, he knew. He tuned in. Oh, my father just did something. Who touched me? They, they did it with faith. He was so tuned in. God, make us that tuned in. In Jesus' name. Dial me into your voice, to your activity, to your touch, to your, your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want prayer, we want to pray for you. We love you. We bless you. Thank you so much for being here. Look for it. Go for it. This is a time to go for it. No more playing it safe. Jump, jump right in. Amen. We bless you. We love you. Amen. Amen.